9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to Go Plug Yourself. Uh, just a reminder, there are still a few days left to vote for Go Plug Yourself as the best podcast in Montreal over on Cult Montreal. Uh, so if you don't have 25 things to vote for, feel free to go to 95.cc and check out my cheat sheet. You can copy off of my votes and, and including, obviously, Go Plug Yourself as the best podcast in Montreal. This week, we have a very special episode. Montreal guitarist Pierre-Luc Rieu joins us. Uh, you've definitely heard him at one point or the other, whether it's been featuring on tracks on the likes of David Guetta, uh, Justin Bieber, Katy Perry, that's just name-dropping a few of the artists uh, he's worked with, or uh, playing guitar as part of his band Child, who... Uh, Uh, recently had a song featured on Grey's Anatomy and are about to be uh, playing at the Governor's Ball in New York this September. Uh, I'm joined this week by uh, Chris Mendito as my co-host and we sit down and have a chat with Pierre Luc about video game streaming, ice cream, not being able to grab a bite to eat with Ariana Grande and the differences between LA and Montreal and a whole host of other things. Thank you, enjoy the show and go plug yourself. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, it's time for another go plug yourself podcast. So, uh, a little bit of bookkeeping here. I think before we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention that it was our host. Co-host Chris Vendito's birthday today. Is this true? Oh, this is coming out on Wednesday. Uh, this comes out on Thursday, so it was your I birthday. See. Yeah, it's I your see. birthday birthday special, boy. I I mean, way to book way to book me as the host this week. Then the guest yeah. host this week. You know, <laughs> I always love looking at Chris in the future and thinking, what's he gonna be? What's he gonna think like on Thursday? And we're recording this on a Monday. Mm-hmm. I know it's we're pulling behind the fourth wall here on uh, nine to five. Uh, it's still shit. Let's keep it going. Oh, okay. We didn't uh, we didn't solve everything between now and Thursday. No, see, you know, because May's a May's a kind of whatever month. Right? It's like it's not June. It's not summer. It's not full summer yet. Fighting words to May, sir. I mean, I, I'm I'm born in May. I I feel like I'm I'm allowed to be able to do this. You know, I was this born in not... May too. I love May. Well, May what? May twenty sixth. I knew this. Yeah, and also, tourist. and also, I met. I, I asked Sarah to be my girlfriend on May tenth. Also in Taurus season. <laughs> I guess. Taurus. Yeah, I also married in Taurus season. April thirtieth is our wedding anniversary because we tried to get it close to the date. There's some specific, uh, like you hear of Aries season a lot. You hear of Pisces season. You never see that online. It's Taurus season. You know why? Because we're assholes. Nobody uh. cares. Taurus. Taurus is on our core. Yell at everybody. That's why. It's why we we're comfortable. I'll I'll see. I'll talk about it at the next tourist meeting. Uh, Keith, <laughs> um, uh, yes. well, I was going to say this. Uh, break. Our guest today, Pierre Luc Rieu. I think the first question that we obviously have to ask is, "What's your sign?" Yeah. What's your sign? I think. <laughs> so you guys thought that uh, May and Tauruses were the worst, but I'm I'm I think I'm going to one up you and go Sagittarius on your ass. Oh, uh, t- so that's that's no so that's that's like a bit before Christmas. So like nobody like basically it's the worst time to have your birthday. 
My my wife is a Sagittarius, so uh, I'm aware. Although, but it is it is convenience in a certain way because like basically I'm just like okay, November rolls around and I'm like all right, let's go. Like it's like it's Christmas and birthday and I just can do the shopping all at once. Like if I see a couple things and I don't know how to pick, I'm like okay, this one this one's Christmas, this one's her birthday, and then I'll just grab so both. That, you know, or you can do the 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 the. The, the gangster move and just say, well, this counts as your birthday and Christmas gift all at once. Spend an extra 50 bucks. Yeah. I've been with Sarah for like 13 years. I feel like that would not fly. Like that would You're be... single, married? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm in a relationship. There you go. <laughs> do, you, do you combine holidays and together? I, no, I, but at the same time, I've tainted myself. Too. Sorry, that, go ahead. I said, I don't do that to people. People do that to me. Yeah, that's oh. it. Yeah, I painted myself into a bit of a corner having the wedding anniversary April 30th and uh, my birthday May 26th because that's always like Sarah's like, I got you all these great presents for like anniversary and stuff. And then like it's like a day later and she's like, now we need to start shopping for your birthday and I don't know what to get. I'm like, mm, too bad, but I'm, I'm easy. I don't need nothing. I'm not who needs presents anymore anyway. Um, I mean, I'll take them. Who doesn't like presents? <laughs> what are we? What are we canceling presents now too? When will the madness end? You know, our guest at this time, Chris, is uh, Montreal guitarist uh, Pierre-Luc Rieu, who's on the show for like a myriad of reasons. A uh, friend of the show, Lisa Lee, uh, recommended that we have Pierre-Luc on the show. And your resume is like a mile long, both as a... It's impressive, uh, too. It's, it's like, it's not even... A lot of times you get these stupid fucking resumes and they're like eight pages <laughs> and you're like, this could have been one. But like, it's just like... <laughs> It's just like, oh, wow. Oh, shit. It, it really <laughs> unfolded like a, a compelling fucking novel. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so uh, you, you write uh, your own music, but then you're also featured as a guitarist on, I mean, like we, we could go through the list on everybody is my understanding. <laughs> so you're a featured musician on a, on a ton of A-list uh, musicians that we're going to go through. And also you're a musician in your own right. So you're not just like a doing a session thing. You have your own band uh, called Child that's uh, apparently featured heavily recent night right now on the Spotify Montreal music playlist. You just announced also uh, in the pre-interview, uh, and I guess probably on the Governor's Ball website, that Child is going to be playing the Governor's Ball in September, which is the like return of music festivals. Yeah, it's a big fucking deal. Which yeah. broke my broke my heart. Uh, like we we do an Oshiaga uh, podcast series every year. Uh, my wife and I have mentioned before Sarah, and we like live and breathe Oshiaga for the like two weeks surrounding it, like interviewing artists. Like we're the insane people that listen to like the entire lineup. Like to even if even if we haven't heard of everyone, we're like, let's like maybe there's gems because nothing's better than going to a festival and like finding your new favorite band at like three in the afternoon. Right. So it's like we do that whole thing. So the fact that it's been taken away from us for two years now is insane. <laughs> and like we were we're not going to be vaccinated on time for Governor's Ball, sadly. But we were like seriously looking at, say, like Firefly. Uh, because that's later in the month that like we're going to be our vaccination date is like early September. But yeah, music festivals in general. I thought they just opened it up uh, like just now. Basically. Yeah, that's the first dose, man. The second uh -huh. dose is like four months later. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's you not know, like it's not us. like in America where it's like get your dose and then two weeks later, get your second mm -hmm. and then you're set up. No, there's this four month waiting period between what first and it? second dose. 
Pierre Luc, may I ask you, what was it like when they called you? Given, you, I mean, you, you've worked with Ludacris, you've worked with, uh, I saw Usher on the list there, uh, Katy Perry, David Guetta, Sia. Combined with all that and all the work you've done in your whole career, and then you get called, and you're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna have your band up at, at the Governor's Ball." What was that like? As just as a person like pursuing dreams here and like you know yeah. trying to, like, look, and I, I'm sure, like you said, pursuing dreams, you can relate. I would rather, and I, I'd rather have both, but if yeah. I had to choose, um, like, I get a better high and a bigger feeling playing my own music in a pub than anything else. That's just like playing my own music on a stage with my friends playing with me in a band. It's just, I've never been able to like duplicate that feeling. And so going to New York, huge festival in the middle of the city, uh, kind of a big middle finger to the pandemic type of, you know, type of thing because it's, it's gonna be Outdoors is going to be people, and hopefully everybody's going to be vaccinated by then uh, in New York. It's man, I'm, it's the, the greatest feeling. I can't wait. Yeah, because it's been what for for live music and live entertainment in general. But we'll we'll, we'll stick to music for the purpose <laughs> of this conversation. Uh, it's been this has been something that we've never seen before, right? This is obviously uh, it's gutted what we love to do the most, which is perform in front of people. Uh, for you as a musician. Uh, were you doing a year ago? A year ago at this time, were you doing like the live stream shows? What were you doing? What was it like for you to adjust from I'm guessing being on the road performing in front of crowds to one day that that's all gone and you still got to be a musician at that point? So, luckily, uh, I wear many hats and I was I I do a lot of studio stuff like you guys mentioned earlier. So it's like that really completely saved my ass because it seems like whenever the the live stuff you know, folded, a lot of people just went back to the studio and started making records. So mm-hmm. that served me in a way because I, I do a lot of that stuff. But like last year, like Feb, well, like a bit earlier, like February 2020, uh, Child, uh, our, our project, we had a show in Miami at a festival. And like at that time, it was like, we just were hearing like, and it was the end of uh, February. And I had a buddy from Montreal that came in to play with us. So it's like we were hearing like glimpses of like, oh, there's this, you know, virus in China and yada, yada, yada. And like, you know, we've been through SARS as Canadians, like, you know, Toronto mm-hmm. hit like super heavily. And but it wasn't like a worldwide thing. It was like, you know, pockets. every. So I literally told my my singer, I was like and he was like taking it super seriously. He was like, yo, bro, you don't understand. This is going to be huge and he was like wearing masks before everyone and all that shit. and i was kind of like making fun of him and i have text messages you know and th- that he kept <laughs> of course of course i was like that that's that's keeper shit you hang <laughs> on to that shit forever right <laughs> yeah. like i was right that one time <laughs> no but dude like i was so off like i was so off and it hit me so hard because like february 28th was probably our last show and then my buddy uh, that played with us went back to montreal and when he went back to Montreal, like two weeks later, the province closed. So it's like, it went from us playing a festival to no music and no bars and no restaurants for like a year. You know, I I don't think anyone really saw it. Maybe Bill Gates saw it. I I definitely didn't see it. I don't think we all, the, the, 
I, I was like you, Pierre Luke. I, I was like, we were at shows, we were doing stuff. You're hearing bits and pieces. I did not, I didn't think that anything was going to happen until they were like, I think it was March 9th or March 10th. The NBA is, like, the NBA was considering at that point shutting down the. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, if there the, were, the NBA that, thing was be, the worst thing in before, ever. But before the NBA thing, the Monday before it, they were uh, one of the one of the ESPN shows was saying there's like rumors going around if there's even one positive case they're gonna cancel the fucking they're gonna cancel the season I'm like there's no way there's no way American sports are gonna cancel anything for anything there's no way 48 hours later all sports are gone and it's like well I'm not doing comedy for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah when the NBA the NHL the NFL MLB when they're all canceling their seasons you're like companies like enter entertainment entities on that scale being like yeah we're not doing live shows they're like there's no hope for anybody else down the ladder you know like, well then live like, nation canceled a bunch of shows then the mm-hmm. olympics cancel and then like all these other like touring like huge music like the ocean ocean got canceled shortly after that and then it's like jfl's like maybe september and it's like no we're done like close up shop guys <laughs> we're done and i don't know i don't know about you but like for me I haven't because, you know, and I salute everyone who's like, you know, gave it a shot and really like tried to put online performances. But it's just like ain't the same. Yeah. And like I I literally haven't like I've seen like a couple that I thought were really good in terms of like, oh, like that's really original. Like they, they tried to do something different. And even like Dave Chappelle put out a show in his backyard or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like super smart and like, you know social distance uh, rapid test all that stuff just ain't the same just there was the only thing i feel and not not just to harp on the in music which was really good was the versus battles the versus battles have been fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was really that was really creative i think i know i know like you were talking before keith before we got on about quest Mm -hmm. uh he did some live shows some of the djs were doing live shows great the, the, the Questlove, when he was in isolation, did uh, did a whole, like, half podcast, half DJ set where, like, in the middle of, like, spinning from record to record, he would then, like, explain where the record came from and, like, the recording studio at the time and who was working on it and who was whatever and then would let it play out and then, like, mix it into one thing. So it was, like, he would go and, I'd, like, especially at the beginning when everything was, like, up in the air, like, he would sometimes go, like, two, three hours just, like... He then, when things started, people started working and whatever, he, like, started condensing it to an hour long. But, like, at the beginning, he's just like, I'm just in my house with nothing to do, so I'm going to, like, spin the records I like and talk about them Which while is different. Camera. But, like, yeah. like Pierre, I'm sure there was a lot of people, like, right away that were like, let's do a live concert on Zoom or let's do a, a concert on Twitch. It's just never going to be – you're never going to be able to do what live performances are, like you said, in a bar – Mm-hmm. I, 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 some of the best music I've ever listened to has been a, a, a band I couldn't name that I listened to in a bar uh, one night that followed me after I did a shitty five minute comedy set. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like those are the like, things you really enjoy about live performance, which is just we have 14 months now at this point in Canada that we haven't been able to do it. I mean, I know mm-hmm. in the States it's different. We're able but... to like do some stuff on like uh, just some comedy hits, like whatever on Instagram or any like any. I mean, we, you've adapted. We've you. adapted. We've adapted. There was also there was August. August was light enough that you guys had some shows. One of the the comedy nest opened up and stuff like. Yeah, yeah we August, did shows. We had when we had double digit uh, figures. Comedy came back a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like, when restaurants and bars are open, uh, we've done shows. But it's just it's 
I, I've spoken to musicians about this too. It's just that even when you're doing like a a room that seats 600 and you're doing it for 30 people, it, it feels awkward, right? Yeah. It, 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 it feels weird. Like it, you know, you're doing a grand hall. And it's like, well, there's supposed to be fucking 2000 people in here. What the hell? There's a hundred. Like, cardboard the, cutouts aren't laughing. Yeah. It's not the same. Or even <laughs> music, but even for musicians, like I know which, uh, there was a bar that did a benefit show during the holidays. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, um, there was a fun, like a big fundraiser, like the Foo Fighters were yeah, like the, the headliner. Yeah, yeah, they, they did a, there was like a, a festival thing and it was, it was basically um, th- apparently Canada was a little bit okay because a lot of venues are registered as concert halls, so they qualified for government aid. Like if you were if you were registered as a concert hall, it was you're a cultural institution. Apparently that doesn't exist in most states, kind of understandably. Like it's America, uh, and they were just like tons of like small music venues. We're not like pulling huge profits anyway, right? Like this is a world where like CBGB's closed, you know? Like it's like you have like one of the most iconic concert like small venues in the world and they couldn't make a go of it. I think did whis like did Whiskey Go Go close also or did that move or whatever? There's like anyway, there's like like famous clubs close. So what help hope does like this small town venue have, you know, like without some government aid? So it was like a big fundraiser and also uh like a call to action to try to get government aid they were like it was fundraiser and government aid and apparently it actually passed they they ended up having writing into one of the relief bills in the states small concert venues like specifically so apparently at least hopefully it helped at some venues but yeah like watching and it was interesting because a lot of the bands were at the vent at those small venues to nobody you know and you're like this is so weird just watching this happen i mean to me what what it what it uh, also uh, put forward is the fact that you really have to cultivate an audience. Like, because mm-hmm. the people that had a big audience, like, you know, there's a, I think it was, a, what's her name? Like, I mean, obviously it's a completely different level, but Billie Eilish uh, mm-hmm. did an online show. I think she pulled in like 20 million bucks in one night. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, they had whatever, like a great live show and she has like a, a, a huge audience. And I don't know, they sold like, let's say a million tickets to 20 bucks and boom, there you go. Yeah. So like if if it, it kind of opens your 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 mind to like, OK, well, if I can have like a real audience that are real fans and I put on some kind of show, maybe they'll show up and, you know, maybe you can kind of pull through like that. Yeah. yeah the, I think you right there, like the Billie Eilish is an extreme. Dave Chappelle's an extreme yeah. of the rule. But I mean, they're obviously... I think we had to adapt as performers and just creatives in general to a format online that was already like occupied, whether it was comedy, music, there was already present, there was already like a foundation built of online musicians and online comedians and online whatever. So when all these fucking stage performers came running with nowhere to perform, they were like, well, we, you know, we, we kind of own territory here. You're going to have to wait in line, which I think also like, especially I know in the comedy world, Send some people yeah. in a tailspin. I, I I always thought it was hilarious because so many musicians went on t- Twitch, right? And I was like, <laughs> I, I I follow I follow some some game streamers and stuff on Twitch. So it's like, but it's the same login, right? And you can go on and see someone like Questlove doing his thing, and you see like two thousand people watching, and you see some kid playing Fortnite with seventy five thousand people, and I'm like, what? Yeah. I was like, I was like, why is there? Why is this twelve year old playing Fortnite drawing well, like? Yeah. 
Questlove's demo isn't exactly on Twitch. Fair, you know? but but you know, but exactly, but that, but that's what I'm saying is though, like that online space of Twitch, like musicians showed up a year ago, whereas this kid's been streaming five nights a week for the last like five years. You know, like it's crazy because I'm on this label, uh, and um, there's an artist on our label who's, um, I mean, he has this online pl- gaming platform called Vanos. He has a YouTube channel, and he has like some like. I think it's like 25 million subscribers, like some mm-hmm. insane number. And he did a show here in Los Angeles and, you know, I went to the show and there was all these like kids that had never been to a show before. Or, <laughs> and I say kids, but they're not all kids. Like some people are like, you know, you know teens or even adults and they, they just, they're just not the, the, the show demo. And, you know, they were like hardcore fans of, of, of this guy and they, they just showed up and some of them like were like kind of dressed like him and all this. And I was like, man, I mean, it's it's the online gaming thing is on a, on another level I and mean, they're on a tear. Yeah. And, and you have to be like, like I said, you can't just show up like the, the commit level is insane. Like I know, like I, said, I know a couple streamers and they're like, if you're not streaming like three, four, five nights a week, you're like, well, you're not really in the game. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you need to sit down and stream games for like 20 hours a week, multiple nights a week. I was like, holy oh, dude, there are some, there's, there's some, some, some like investors What they do is like they buy a house or they rent a house, they load it up with gamers and then they pay for their lifestyle. Yeah. Their gig is just to fuck to stream and yep. games. And they, it's so it's like, it's, it's, uh, unreal. I love it. So weird. Okay. So and then, former, and that, former baseball scouts. They used to, so used to, 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 to recruit Cubans back in the day. They're now recruiting gamers in uh, in like Montana, and they're buying up, like you said, they're buying up houses. It's like a real thing. It's like a lot of these analytics guys went to like and they're let's create like fucking streamers. Well, yeah, it also goes into the uh, into the competitive play aspect of it, right? Where they're like, oh, like the the teams need to be in the house to play, and then they're like, and the teams, their main revenue source is streaming because that's like constant money and then but also they're training for these competitions and the competition prize money is crazy like that kid who just won 10 million dollars or whatever it was playing Fortnite, and you're just like i'm like young enough to understand it but it still blows my mind but i can only imagine like my dad is like what is even happening (laughs) you know you're like this kid is playing a video game in an in a flipping like baseball stadium there's thousands of people cheering on his headshot you know and you're like when you what think about it, on? I mean, let's say you watch a hockey game. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's not you playing the game. You're actually watching mm-hmm. other people playing a game. And they're, you know, real-life people, but you never met them. They're kind yeah. of celebrities. And so when somebody plays a video game, pretty, it's the same thing. I mean, it's it's just virtual. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love these type of stuff, like in music, in video games, and in, in whatever. Anybody that innovates and pushes the bar forward, it's just I don't know. I I, I love that stuff. And most of the criticism, I mean, that I've seen, I don't know if you guys agree. Most of the criticism of these are just old guys who don't understand it. I mean, like, like which, Bill Maher. Blows my mind. Bill Maher went off about this this weekend. I saw a clip online. Oh wow! And and listen, like I don't. I mean, Bill Maher has an audience. He's got a. He's built a great career for himself, but he's also a guy in his fifties that's not going to understand like the 
the culture of 20 year olds like watching esports like, it's just it there's a disconnect it's never they're never going to be able to understand each other old dudes uh, old people would be the ones like taking the piss out of these gamers when they're the ones who are like let's watch bowling on a saturday afternoon <laughs> you know <laughs> like i'm just sort of like i'm like you you know darts is on espn right <laughs> i'm like you're watching people playing darts i'm like you're how can you not see the link of these sports where yeah you're not necessarily like the biggest or fastest or whatever but you possess a skill it's impressive there's an audience to watch it you know like you, you know you would think yeah exactly that's it watch international uh, shuffleboard competition or whatever the <laughs> yeah, Pierre, look i'm always interested when we get uh successful montrealers on the podcast to talk about how and how and why they left Montreal. Well, we know why they left Montreal, but how? <laughs> how? What was the first move out? What was your? I know you you, talk, you talked about how you, you, you with David Guetta, you had to kind of convince him that you were, or kind of like stalk him to 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 convince him <laughs> that you were a guitar player that was worth listening to. Is that the hustle that you were on when you left Montreal? Did you move? Did you leave? here with like signing with a label or did you go out there to sign with a label and then things happened? No, I didn't, I, I didn't sign to a label till super later on. Um, no. And, and it's always been a dream of mine to it's, it's like on the broader scale, it's always been a dream of mine to create a creative bridge between Montreal and LA. Cause I always knew that LA was kind of the Mecca of music. And I always knew that uh, from being a live musician, there's like there's talent in Montreal and the fact that like before I'm talking like whatever early 2000 maybe 90s we didn't get the same stuff at the same time there was no Spotify there's no YouTube there's no nothing now it's like somebody comes something comes out in LA or in Tokyo you get it at the same time as, yeah. as in Montreal and it's so funny because like I'm in LA today uh, and I was in in uh, Montreal last month and like the cities are so different. It's like the people dress differently. That so so it's like it's really sometimes a question of geography, uh, because you know people. I don't know. It's just a, it's hard to explain. But the reason why I came here is because it's, I heard this this great guitar player once said, um, you know, you you uh, open up a CD booklet, you check where the song was made and then you move there <laughs> and <laughs> that was super smart and so um but i want to like kind of and, and it's not just me but like i, I want to like close down this gap and hopefully at one point there would be like a complete synergy between both cities you know or, or, or a ton of other cities like maybe montreal and germany like those big you know music centers so that's that that was part of the idea and the other idea was my, my girlfriend was a dancer and uh, she got a dance contract in L.A. And she said, well, listen, uh, I'm thinking of going. Uh, what the fuck? And I said, well, why don't I go with you? Because yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to, to, to come here. And then, um, yeah, I man, sometimes, you know, you meet people and you, you, you meet them for a reason. And I think I met her because part of our journey was to come here. And, like, we're not together anymore, but... Um, it's like she, I think we both really kind of help each other out in that move. Because it's tough to move to another city and just uproot your life and stuff. And right. I do a lot of back and forth. But, like, that first move was was pretty. Yeah. You just, you know, you don't know anyone. You just move away in another. And she had a job. So it wasn't, 
that bad, but it, it, it's still tough, you know? I, I always That always blows my mind whenever we hear about either comedians or musicians or whatever, like, even just moving to Toronto, but then obviously a bunch of them moved to LA, a bunch of them moved to New York. Like, it, it, there is, a, a, and it pains, it hurts me on the inside, especially having an arts and entertainment podcast based around Montrealers, that, like, so many Montrealers find the need to leave to really, like, get big or whatever or to find their fame like it it just it sucks because i was like because i was like i think we have a great music scene a great comedy scene like there's movies that get made here there's even like famous albums that have been recorded here so on and so forth but it always kind of sucks to see them go but i always like that it always blows my mind like what the legwork and what like the force of will you have to do to hit land in another city and be like maybe i've made a couple phone calls and i have a few contacts but otherwise i'm just like hitting the pavement and trying to find work doing this thing. I love that you have a, that, that that's your angle on the podcast. I, I love it because like I'm, I'm, I don't even consider my, I consider myself a Montrealer more than a Canadian. Like I really, I think that's true of a lot of people, honestly, also like, I feel that a lot of Montrealers identify that way. And, and to be honest, like it's, it's really comfortable to live in Montreal. It's like, there's amazing restaurants, uh, you, it's a city that's lived through winter. So in the <laughs> summer, you have like a few months of like just, you know, balling out of control. So it's like, I feel like it's a very comfortable city. It's a very, like people are nice. It's not, it, it, people are, they, they walk slower. They, 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 the way that they dress is not, you know, it's, it's like nobody really wants to like attack you or provoke you or anything. If you come to like LA or New York, it, there's a there's, there's there's a hype or an, like it's just more aggressive like people more in your face they talk like a lot of just like dumb example the people in LA a lot of them they talk on FaceTime in public places like in a restaurant they talk like loudly like <laughs> and it's so awkward because like, everybody can hear the conversation but that's just the, the way that people are you know and here I mean sorry in Montreal people are more you know quiet and stuff and it's it's just people are more polite so anyways i think the problem with montreal not the problem but the reality is that it's just a smaller city mm -hmm. if you want and, and, and so if you want to be really in touch with like let's say i mean the, i think the way to get better is just to be surrounded by good people mm -hmm. here look let me ask you though too uh in your music you you work french or in english uh, you know what? That's crazy. I work way more English and yeah. I'm a native French speaker and it, it's honestly proven harder, harder to, to, to work with French artists. And I just being I, honest. The reason I say this is because I imagine the comedy and music industry here are very similar in that um, you want to the people who work in French here do very well. They're very popular. They're, they're very, you know. But to get into that industry is a lot hard because we're a small pond and 90% of the pond is in French in Quebec. Yeah, so I would say, I would say though, that that's, that's like, that it's like bittersweet because yeah. um, like, so you said comedy and music. Comedy is a little bit different because there's more money in comedy in Quebec than there, are, there yeah. is music uh, because it, it's, which is shocking to people. If you told that to people in L.A., if you told that to comedians in L.A., they would be they would be fucking well, shocked. It's, <laughs> but the TV industry 
the French, sorry, the French TV industry is sort of self-reliant. So like comedians often get TV gigs. So they mm -hmm. get paid to, to, to be on TV. The thing is, and, and the reason why I, you know, also to, to, to your point and to your question earlier, the reason why I moved is because, and why it's bittersweet, it's because it is self-reliant, self but it is also self-enclosed. It's like, yeah. you, you, if you want to become like a global uh, celebrity or whatever, if you, if you want your, your art or your music or your comedy to be viewed worldwide, you just have to, to bounce because the, 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 the Quebec market will love you, but it's, there's nowhere to go hard to branch out. Yeah, there's yeah. No that's why Celine left. Right. I mean, God yeah. Lover, one of the one of the one of the one of the most important people that came out of Canadian music of all time. That's why she left. That's why Drake left Toronto. You know, that's why The Weeknd left. That's why I'm sure Pierre Luc left. That's why <laughs> a lot of people leave is because there is just more opportunity in almost any field in the States than there are here. There's, there's like, okay, first of all, just like disclaimer, I love uh, Quebec artists and I love Quebec media. And I, you know, it's like, I have no ill will, but this it's just uh, so different. Like just mm -hmm. to, to make a living, it's way easier making a living, make, doing less stuff here in LA. Because mm -hmm. if you're in Montreal, you really have to be kind of jack of all trades. And uh, just shoot, and and which is, there's no there's nothing wrong with that because it's there's people that um you know there's a lot of musicians that become TV personalities and then they play movies and stuff and you don't see that as much maybe in the states because uh, a, a guitar player or whatever musician is gonna like specialize and become the best in the world at, at something and it's, so it's really about what is it that you want to do it's like I don't think that um, and you know some people. <laughs> just make it out of, of Quebec and come back and um, we'll see man I mean it's uh, I would love for those boundaries to explode and just for, 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 for Quebec talent to yeah be and I, I, I at least from where I where outside looking in kind of view I'm like I feel that that even what, what you're doing for, is with technology with its advancing and so on and so forth the the physical proximity of musicians doesn't need to be the, the same as it did before. If you're going to lay down a guitar track, like you can lay down a guitar track in Montreal, send it to someone in LA, work on it back and forth, meet on teams yeah. and, and have that and have that collaborative. It's obviously not the same as jamming or whatever, but it, like there is still a lot of the work that I think is like no longer geographically locked in. I so you myself like I can't believe that that's that's a thing and that that I can like actually uh, record guitars here with i have a, a buddy that i work with in, in in amsterdam that works a lot with the the david Guetta team and he always calls me for sessions and stuff and i do that with people here as well and i'm like what an incredible time we live in where you can like actually do that it's it's, it's awesome i also feel it's kind of ironic we needed a worldwide pandemic for us to show how easy it is that we could all do any job remotely uh right because like even i was gonna say before you were saying i don't know what's gonna change to help you know you you know keep the quebec artists here and have them make a comfortable living i think the the pandemic has maybe helped that in that regard because going forward you could have especially 
music, voice acting, acting in general, self, you could, there's going to be more possibilities open to people that are outside the LA, New York mecca of entertainment that are going to be able to come into it because now people are going to be like, well, we could use a wider scope here to find something. Which yeah, if I, I'm looking you know, for, if I'm looking for a musician, I'm going to like, not just be like, I'm going to listen to demos of people in a 10 mile radius. I'm going to listen to demos of people anywhere. In, you know, <laughs> you know like, it's amazing how that took, it took us this long to kind of figure that out. But <laughs> I think we're, we're catching up to technology ever so slowly. So well, we've been talking a bunch about music. Uh, we did talk about this at the beginning. So I guess we should introduce, uh, if you want to have a track played, Pierre-Luc, now is the time to lay Present a track, and then we'll play it on the podcast. So I guess it would be one of the child tracks. Yeah, man. It's, it's your choice which one so, you're going to play. So, so so then I guess I'm going to play our newest single with Child. It's called Gone. Uh, you can find it on all the DSPs, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, anywhere. Uh, but yeah, Gone from Child. Gone Perfect. From Child. Here it is.
And so is this, um, where is this on the set list at the governor's ball? I know we talked about it before. Dude, <laughs> just, just we're, actually, we're actually working on the set list right now because. And then uh, is this the, just sorry to, to, sorry to interrupt. I just want to know, is this going to be, you said you were playing the festival in Miami in May, uh, I guess, February, 2020. Is this going to be the largest audience for you guys? Is it going to be like a big jump or? Uh, or have you been to Texas? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I never thought about it like that, but yeah, you're right. It's probably going to be because Child is like a really, really new project. It's mm -hmm. like it like we came out with music in 2019 for the first time. I mm -hmm. mean, me and Yanni, me and my partner, we, we, we've been working on music forever, but we launched this project uh in 2019 it really picked up steam and 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 now it's it's so but yeah it's going to be our biggest audience and this before goes back to what you said earlier how working doing studio work is for other artists is one thing you know you've worked with getta for over a decade right you've you've worked with a bunch of heavy like heavy big time musicians like global superstars but doing your own thing well, this is like your this is your own boss right yeah like you're your own, so boss on your own boss <laughs> beyond your own boss this is like forgive the pun i guess for your own child um oh, right? oh, you your own it. creation is that making it more personal for you and that's why like you want to protect it and it's it's it becomes a thing that take, you take a lot of pride in obviously but also you want to keep evolving and improving and getting to, to be known just as much for your own work as the work you do for others um i i mean yes and no i would say that it's it's more about artistic expression than about ownership um it, it's not about the fact that it's it's me uh it's it's fun that i take part in every song and stuff but what i like about it is i'm you know and that might sound cheesy but it is that's the way i feel it it gives me an opportunity like to paint the world you know to like to to, to give my view on what i feel is uh is i don't know like to, to show my taste like this is this is this is what i like you know and it's like you know I, I like all kinds of music but i'm really proud of the child stuff because i feel like artistically it's completely authentic like there's no uh there's no one telling us to do or not to do something yeah. so yeah. and 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 to to play that to an audience that likes it or even that dislikes it i don't <laughs> you know yeah welcome anything but like to play that to an audience is like, I don't know, man. It's it's just the thing that I like the most. It's like well, I think that's, it's one of those. Uh, I was just gonna say though, it, it's you hear about it a lot in acting, right? Where you're just sort of like, someone acts for a while, and then there's like the element of they're like, oh, I want to direct, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I often think that that out like that is similar to being like a studio musician. You're like, but I do want to make my own music. As as fun and as, as cool as it can be collaborating in someone else's vision, it's still not like for the acting metaphor, it's still not you behind the camera. Right? But like the thing the thing about um the thing about that and, and what re like is that I really kind of learned that in the LA of, of, of all places. It's that uh there's really people for every domain. It's mm -hmm. like I met I was I was in a in a writing because I was in a writing session with this girl and I thought she was probably the best writer I've ever worked with. And she probably had one of the best voices I'd ever worked with. So I told her like, look, you're this amazing writer. You have an amazing vo voice. Why aren't you an artist? 
And she said, because I like to write. I don't really like to perform. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, it, that might sound dumb, but I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know it was possible for somebody not to like performing mm-hmm. their own stuff. Like I, so, and, and that's okay. It's like, and, and I have friends, like I have, I have a drummer friend that I'm thinking about. He's like, he can play literally with a metal band one day and a country band the other day, and he'll feel completely at home in both because mm-hmm. his gig is like, I'm going to do the best like drumming that I can for this artist, whatever, whoever that is. If it's J-Lo or fucking a five-year-old, mm-hmm. I'm going to kill it. And I respect that. I respect that a lot. It's just I have a different uh, career path or whatever. Like um, this, just stuff I like. Yeah. Well, for, I, and and like I said, I mean, I, I think the, you you said it earlier. They're different. It's like it, it's not that one is better than the other. They're just different forms of being a musician, right? Yeah. Um. So I mean, I feel that we we we've mentioned it a couple times that you guys have worked with A-listers, that you've been featured on Gutta, we've name-dropped a little bit. I would be remiss if I didn't ask at least, like, what's one of your craziest, this is, like, Hollywood A-list nonsense stories ever? So, because that that's, like, it's what we want to hear. It's what I want to hear. And I'm sure it's also what our listeners want to hear. They love they love the stories. So, well, so could I, before Pierre and Luke answers, could I give what my... Well, my idea is Pure Looks Answers. Your idea of Pure <laughs> yeah, Looks Answers. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. My, my, I think Pure Looks What the Fuck moment was when Justin Bieber decided that he was going to fix racism in America. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> Justice? I think you're on that. I think you're on that album. <laughs> I'm kidding. We love you, Justin, if you're listening. Canada's uh, own justin bieber hey listen his favorite comedian is chris delia right you know justin has had a rough year it's all i'm saying <laughs> chris delia poor guy or whatever poor girl actually yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah um the craziest uh i mean it the thing is there's 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 uh so many instances of like just completely random stuff like you know i was in in the studio with this writer and then we were just working on a song and Ariana Grande walked in and she started hanging out with us. And I figured, oh, Ariana is actually best friends with the writer. And then mm-hmm. we just, you know, kick it for the whole night. And then at one point we're like, okay, so let's go grab like a bite to eat. And she goes, well, I can't do that. Like, I can't just go walk out and like just, yeah, and, and it's like sometimes you, you, uh, you get lost in the fact that like you meet somebody that's like insanely famous and then they're completely human and normal and then you want to go do something normal and like well yeah if, if i go to this place it's going to be like paparazzi and media and all that kind of the craziness so i mean that's kind of like i i thought that was kind of cool to just for ariana just kind of walk in the room i was with ghetto one day and uh, we were at a studio session uh just you know working on records and then he's she's like, okay, so you want me to, you know, get an Uber to your hotel? So I'm like, yeah, sure, like I'll, I'll hop in. And then we hop in the truck, we go, we're on the way to the hotel, and then he gets a text and he's like, you feel like meeting Rihanna tonight? And I'm like, fuck yeah. And so we, <laughs> we made a detour, we went to Rihanna's, like a studio where Rihanna was at, we played some records for, for you know, for her to pick for, for her next album, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
other stuff is like like you know like we talked about in the pre-interview like uh there's going to be a song that's going to be coming out with uh bono and the edge which are two legends that i never thought i'd i'd, I'd be able to collaborate with but it, 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 it i ended up on a song with them and it's just to me it's just like um man i mean i i'm kind of along for the ride i'm letting it play out <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> you know you know it's What's funny about this story was is that when this comes out, the podcast, Rihanna fans all over the internet are going to start asking Pierre, look, when's Rihanna's next album coming out? Because <laughs> they have been asking for more music from her for years. So Pierre, look, obviously has an inside track on some stuff <laughs> yeah, in the work. I said. <laughs> Don't I'm, just, uh, I'm just saying that's how we're going to spin it <laughs> online. We played some music. So okay, I, I, don't know, well, I don't know about what she's going to pick or if I'm she's kidding. Pick something. If anyone's so, listening, we're not reporting a new album for Rihanna. This is not what we're doing. <laughs> that is not being dropped here, broken here. But it's like what I love about uh, LA that 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 you don't really uh, get to see in other cities is that literally it's one of those places where everybody comes here to make it. So it's mm -hmm. like you go to a sushi place and Cameron Diaz is there, and this was what, and, and you're not gonna really go to see Cameron Diaz and like picture on something that's not what what it's about but it's like you're surrounded with like people that actually made it really really big and it's it's like it kind of normalizes that experience so it's like it gives you the confidence that maybe you can do it too like it seems attainable because you yeah. saw like adrian brody jogging if you're in montreal you're not gonna bump into cameron diaz and unless it's the f1 weekend or whatever And, and 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 but if you're in LA, it kind of normalizes the experience, and then you feel like, man, you know, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Why not? I mean, yeah. that's that's that what. Ariana Grande story is pretty cool too because like she just walked into the studio with you guys and started kicking it, and then But then it's also a reminder of, and you see this, you see like sir, like Michael Jordan talked about this in the Last Dance, where it's like you, you would think from the outside I have just great life, but like just there's things I can't I can't do. That I would want to do as a normal person, and like you, you saying like, like Ariana, let's go grab a bite to eat. Like, yeah, I can't do that actually. Like that's crazy. We should order in though. We could totally order <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's nuts. Um, uh, the another question before we finish off with the five question segment that we end off the show is, but another question though is, I guess that it's a it's a two parter. It's the depending on where you're at. I was going to say, what band would you like Child to open for? Or if Child blows up, which band would you like to have Who's open for Child? Who's opening for you? It's a better question. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's it. It's the two layers. Like, who do you want to open for? Like, Who would you like to be on a bill on a tour with? But then also, uh, you guys, it's uh, 2022 and you guys are records are flying off the charts. Who would you have open for you is the other the other part of the question. Okay. But the other part of the question is, is a bit like, I'm going to sound like... Uh, total douchebag well, no I, i mean it can be a small band you can give a this, it's the chance to give a little bit of love for a lesser known band i'm assuming you're not gonna be like you two is gonna open for us honestly i respect it all i'm saying um good question okay i always kind of answer the same question when people ask me who do you like to collaborate with mm -hmm. so if we could open for arcade fire i would really like that uh i because uh to me they they I mean, they're 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 awesome. They their songwriting and the, you know, whatever. I I really like them. So I mean, so they also uh, sorry to, to jump in. I was like, they also I think 
reestablish Montreal as a music city in a lot of ways. Like internationally, like they were like, oh, yeah, you can be a band from Montreal. And then it was like there were a couple others. It was like Wolf Parade came out around the same time and stuff. Yeah. Like There were a few bands that like all of a sudden you're like, oh, these are Montreal bands from Montreal. Like so. I thought it was just Sam Roberts for them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I heard the story from from the from Brand Van and I, I you know I, I don't know if it's true but I think it's true. Uh, they were so big at one point, like back in their heyday, that like Bjork was opening for them. And it's like I uh, I thought like wow that's so because now Bjork is like this iconic artist, you know. Yeah. And it's like um, I don't know like who would open for us. Uh, who's the next artist on the rise? Let me think about that. Damn, I don't know. There's this guy. Okay, there's this guy. But I mean, this is my my might be like an obscure reference. It's good because everybody's gonna succeed but in this story. If, if anyone's uh, if anyone's uh, listening to this podcast, there's an artist that I really like that is lyrically dope, and his name is Coltrane. He's an artist from uh, London. And he's he moved to, to 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 the U.S. But he's he's awesome. Like lyrically, he's dope. So um, yeah, I mean, he he he's a guy that I would go on tour with, and he could open for us, I guess. Awesome, perfect. So Chris, we had, uh, uh, if that and if that all fails, uh, the following people could also open up for a Child, uh, Jay Z, um, <laughs> the Rolling Stones, uh, Paul McCartney, or Ringo Starr. Just saying, there's options. Yeah, so I'll talk to Lisa. Let's say, I'll, I'll straighten it all up. Let's say you shoot your shot and you become the biggest thing in the world. I think Frank Ocean is is one of the best artists that's been on this planet. So if we could do a double bill with with Frank Ocean, I'd be over the moon. I think. Yeah, like be- a live A concert featuring Frank Ocean and Child. Who, who yeah. That, so so that would be fucking lit. That'd be crazy. That's all. all like double bills are always my like favorite and and. I always thought I'd find it hilarious when you're like when you're the opening on opener on like a double bill like uh, the the Weezer and Pixies tour where they were like alternating technically the headlining spot but like they all both were playing like hour hour and a half long sets and I was like it's like Weezer and Pixies and there's like and there's an opener and I was like I feel so bad for this band I'm like literally like you're opening up for like two monstrously influential bands and they get like 15 minutes and you're like thank you good night i was like i feel so bad for these guys i'm like like sure they're in front of a huge audience and stuff but i was like it it must be so hard to be the opening band on a double bill like you know like like so like the third band in the mix you're just sort of like we're here to warm everybody up but at the same but time though i like i love about uh Oshiaga, i i really respect that like the fact that you and your girlfriend just go there and like watch every band because you say, oh, like there might be some band that becomes your favorite band. I mean, that's a for sure thing because everybody that's on the bill, there's got to be someone that's like awesome, you know? Oh, oh sure. and I can assure you, I can assure you he's telling the truth too because we spend every Oshiaga making fun of him about it. So <laughs> like he's very much, he stays the whole time. You can't bother Keith and Sarah during Oshiaga. Don't even text him. I love it's, it. It's like it's like the whole we have, time. We have, like, we have like an itinerary from like pretty much gates till closing usually. Of like we're checking out this and we're checking out this and we're checking out this. So if you want to meet up with us, who'd you who'd you discover or who's your like takeaway from Oshiaga? The That's most true. recent one, Tw- uh, like all I, times. 
So like happy discoveries at Oshiaga. Uh, I discovered two feet at Oshiaga, uh, who was really really good. And it was and that it was also like that's like a bittersweet story because we got into him. I think he was supposed to come out in 2017, and then he had some mental health suicide square uh, scare situation. So like we got into him when he was on the bill in 2017. And then he came back in 2019 and he even told the story up on stage where he was like, Oshiaga as an organization was, he was like, it was, they said, as soon as you're healthy, you're back. And he's like, a lot of people said that. And that was not the case when I came back. But Oshiaga was one of the ones who was like, absolutely, you're on the next bill. So I thought that was also like nice <laughs> from the festival. He's like, a lot of people said it when you go into the hospital. And then he's like, but then when you get back to working again, you start calling the phones. He's like, a lot of those people are not actually putting you on the bill. He's like, Oshiaga was one of the ones that were like, absolutely you're right back on the bill wow. get get going uh who else have we discovered uh at oshiaga i'm draw oh i'm blanking on his name he was like and it was like a one o'clock opener my wife really was into him uh yellow wolf for me damn that's a good that's a good find yellow um, wolf for me i saw him one year and i was like who is this guy and then a couple years later he was on an m&m album and it's like oh, oh fuck i saw this guy at oshiaga <laughs> francis and the lights also oh, wow but like like Francis and the Lights was someone I was like aware of, but not necessarily like obviously because he had the track with uh, with Chance. But like I wasn't necessarily familiar with his solo stuff. And then I also wasn't aware that he was a like insane showman. Like I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. seen him live, but it's like it's another thing. <laughs> like what he does live is. I It's rare to see a performer so like. It this is gonna sound mean, but it's like passionate to almost like a dorky level where it's like he's not he's not interested in being cool. Like he's not performing. He's just so into his music. Like it's it's he's not trying to look cool on stage. He does look cool and he pulls it off. But you know what I mean? It's like there's like an authenticity to what he's bringing to stage that you're like, oh, this guy's just having the best time. Like he played. He was just like, I just finished a song. Uh, like he's like, I literally just like put the final mix in like a day or two ago. And he's like, and this is going to be the first time I play it live. And he opened the set with it. And then it was like towards the set, he's like, I feel really bad because I opened the set with this song. But like the audience has filled out now and a bunch of you missed it. And it's like, is it OK? Like he like to the audience, like, is it OK if I play it a second time? Because he's like, I'm really proud of the song and a bunch of you missed it. And we're all like, yeah, go for it. man. <laughs> like, And then he plays the same song that he opened his set with. And I was like, but it was like from a genuine place. He was like, I'm really proud of this song. I played it as my opener. Now I realized like half of you didn't hear it because like the way Oshiaga works with like people moving yeah. around. And he's like, yeah, the audience is now quite a bit bigger. He's like, do you mind if I play it a second time? And I was like, I've never in my life seen that level of like honesty and pride from a performer, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the beautiful thing is, I don't know how many years later, you still remember that moment. And it's yeah. like, that, that's what it's all about. It's like when, I love that. I love that. That's that's what I love about live music. It's because it's like one of one. Mm -hmm. um, I love it. I that's a great story. Could I ask you well, before we before we go into the close, Pierre? Look, what would you rather do as a Montreal musician who will hopefully one day want to come back with child and you know sell out the Bell Center for a night or headline Oceania? Definitely headline Oceania. Yeah. 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 Oh, but wait, but wait. So caveat, a headline like the main stage or headline the main stage. But I'm saying, but would you accept the like the second biggest stage? Yeah. Like, or over I, the Bell Center? Um, yeah. I took a minute to 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 answer because I feel like that what's great about headlining the Bell Center is that everybody's there to see you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the energy is like unreal. Uh, but there's, I mean, I'm just, you know, why I relate to your story so much is because I'm exactly the same. I go to Oceaga every single year. It's the best weekend of my summer. I love it. Um, and I don't know, there's just something about music festivals that I think is more special than uh, just big venues. Yeah, like arena performances, man. Yeah. But that's, that's I, on personal. Yeah, I and and I I would I would tend to agree. Just like just like outdoors, warm weather, whatever else like that. You're just in the, like I would find it I think impossible to do a whole day of music if the entire festival was indoors. You know, like exactly. My brain yeah. wouldn't be like, get me out of here. This is crap. I also but think yeah. it's more it's cooler for people to say like I saw the Foo Fighters in Oceaga than it's like I saw the Foo Fight Fighters at yeah. the Bell Center in January on a Friday. Because the thing about Oceaga or about like the, the, those those nights is like let's say you see the Foo Fighters at Oceaga, but let's say I don't know you're single and whatever you might meet a girl. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's say you're with your friends, you might have like this incredible conversation before the show. Or whatever it's it's not just about the show; it's about the whole day, you know. Yeah, Whereas yeah. when you go see a show, it's about you know you go see a show and then you leave and you can't really talk during the show. If you go see Oshiaga, it's about how you feel the whole day. I don't know. To me, it's mm. to me, it's better. Yeah, I, 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 I would, like it. I said, I, I, I don't know. I love the the, the festivals. Uh, friends of the well, extended friends of ours, um, uh, the Death Room Above, 1979. Like uh, <clears throat> when they were they were headlining, uh, like I think it was like the Sunday night. Or on one of the side stages, and I think it was weekend that was closing down the main stage. And they were like, Jesse was on stage, and he was just literally like, he's like, thank you for making the correct decision and ending your Oceaga weekend <laughs> with us. And he's like, there's a little Toronto Montreal rivalry going on on these stages. Oh, Sebastian actually, because Sebastian's from Montreal. And yeah, exactly. That's it. He was just sort of like, you have to choose between the big Toronto guy and the the drummer from Montreal. <laughs> like. But yeah, I mean, like obviously no ill will or whatever, but it's like, yeah, like there, there's a something I feel about being the last band on a Sunday where you're like, this is ending the weekend, the ending, you're ending everybody in front of you, you're ending their entire weekend experience. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was like, that's, there's like a weird vibe, I think that everybody's there, everybody wants it to be great. Everybody wants good things for you on stage. Everybody wants to go home happy. Like it's whatever stage you're on. The closing spot on a Sunday must, I feel there's like a weird vibe that is captured at that moment. Yeah, it's the closing day of the thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like you're not going to get that at the Bell Center on a Tuesday. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like I said, like 20, 2019, the last Oshiaga, it was like Childish Gambino, like performing on the main stage. You're like, yeah, that's nuts. That's like, there's no <laughs> better way to end three days of music than like a guy at that level like before doing his thing you know like it was crazy and then it was really weird he started doing like a live action shoot and then he started doing stand-up <laughs> it was just donald glover reminding everyone how talented he is um, <laughs> exactly that's it uh five uh, questions, five questions. So we close off the show yeah. chris you want to introduce the thing it's just really original bit that we do here look where we <laughs> we 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 spend the show asking our guests 20 questions and then we're like we're going to end it with five more so this is what we're going to do 
Wait, you, have, you, buried, you buried the lead, though. He has to put something in the back of his mind. So I'm sorry. the fifth, so the fifth question. I got, it, Keith. I got it. Hold on. The Don't fifth me. question. You want to go? Go, buddy. I got it. I got it. Let me, let me do the game. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's, it's, it's going to be great. Um, it was such a great time. Um, <laughs> you do three questions that are uh, we have all year round. You get one question from a our previous guest, which is uh, Montreal Comics, uh, Tyler Lemko and Kayla DeLeon this week. And then your fifth question is a question that you're going to ask our future guests without knowing who they are. Unreal. Okay. I know. That, that, that's why it's important to put the fifth question in your head so you don't get really on the spot with it because you have to yeah. think of something on your own. Keith, question number one. Making me go first. Uh, what was – is it the child one? I didn't have my notes up. <laughs> give what you all your, this. What do your thoughts sound like, Pierre Little? There what you go. What do your thoughts sound like? Your inner thoughts. Yeah. Uh, dude. So my inner thoughts sound like a, you know, like those balls, those super balls that like you, 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 you throw them and they just like bounce around. Yeah. So it's my, the inside of my brain is, in, is like, like that the whole day round. It's just like some, some, some homeless person, like kind of screaming <laughs> at, at the top of his lung. I don't know, man. It's like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm um, sort of like very anxious neurotic type and uh, my thoughts aren't like I'm, I'm a big proponent of like meditation and calm and stuff like that and I tell everybody that they should do it and the reason why I tell everybody they should do it because I need to do it uh my I don't know I don't have a I was gonna say though but like you you managed to judging from your resume you channel that energy outward so it's not just like you're just spinning around crazily you're getting a ton accomplished so there is you're you're able to direct it, it seems, at I least a little bit. Say, I would say that it comes from a neurotic compulsion more than anything else. It's like, I, but I I love what I do, uh, but it's a it's a it's a I don't know, man. It's a <laughs> uh, my mental state is a very agitated one. Let's okay. let's, let's leave it at that. <laughs> uh, Question number two, uh, what was your favorite thing to eat as a child? Could be a snack, could be a meal. That's easy, ice cream. And it's not just my favorite thing to eat as a child, it's my favorite thing to eat as an adult. Is there a favorite flavor? If if they could make ice cream that had the, you know, nutritional content of broccoli, that's literally what I would eat all day, all day long. (laughs) I love ice cream so much. There's this place in LA called Salt and Straw, and they have it's like sort of like this Portland sort of like kind of um, indie ice cream place where they make like all kinds of ice cream flavors. So my favorite is definitely uh, cookie dough, uh, but whatever, man. Any That's a good choice. Thing. That's a good choice. That's one of my favorites too. So <laughs> I'm down with it. Was that Salt and Straw? Salt and straw. In, well, they have one in L.A., but I think it's a, a brand. Were you going to Postmates it there, Keith? Yeah, that's it. It's ice cream travels well if across fly the country, out. doesn't it? What's the best ice cream in Montreal? I don't know. Like, it's a, That's a tough question because, like, honestly, I they, there's not a salt and straw equivalent in Montreal. Uh, not, not one that I know of. So, there's I mean, a couple I know. Of, uh, there's a couple of gelato joints. Yeah, there's a couple uh, good gelato places. There's like Florence near my place. There's Dippery, but Dippery is it's 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 its own thing. Like that's 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 not I, like that's, that's using the ice cream as a as a delivery mechanism for other things. It's not really about the ice cream. 
Like it's Kem Koba that's really good, and I respect these guys a lot because they kill it every single year. Like they, they but to be honest, it's not my favorite. Like uh, mm-hmm. Kalem, Kalem, sorry. Yeah, it's good. I, I mean, I don't know. There's, I think there's still room. Yeah, the La Cremier, Montreal Institution. Um, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, so what was, it, what was it? Hang on though, but what? That's your favorite. Your cookie though is that also your favorite uh, flavor as a kid? Was no, because I I wasn't even aware that there was that, that was a that was a thing as a kid. As a uh, kid, it's just like sort of chocolate with the chocolate pieces in it. Nice, uh, but Classic. but like yeah, ice cream. Ice cream is 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 the thing. Uh, Question. I think we could all get behind ice cream. Uh, question number three: What is the best or worst thing about growing up? The best or worst thing about growing up. Dealer's choice too of what you want to have. Um, the worst thing about growing up was braces. That's the literally the worst thing. You know, we want to know a brace story. I had braces from 15 to 19, which is probably the worst. It's a bad yeah, stretch tough life because that's, stretch. that's literally the only years you want to like start dating. So <laughs> I, I didn't have any dates in those years. And then at, at 19, you're in CJEP, you have braces, uh, you have acne. And then I was really into this girl and she wouldn't, you know, wasn't interested in me. And then I, I, I my braces came off like whatever during the summer. <laughs> And then she was into me all of a sudden. And I was like, those fucking braces. Uh, you know what, man? They work. They, they work because you got great teeth. I mean, not just, oh, I, I, know, I know that doesn't come through in an audio form, uh, audio only podcast. But let me tell you, you could Google it. Uh, Pierre Luke has some really nice teeth. I was going to say, though, but that, that, that also said. leads into the best thing of growing up is apparently getting the braces off. <laughs> those yeah, were that, happy days for me. The best and the worst. So the, the worst is having braces. I mean, if you have braces when you're eight, it's great or whatever. I, I guess it's great, but <laughs> at 15, it's awful. So, and then the best, the best thing, I don't know, man. I mean, I really, um, I don't know. High school was pretty dope. Oh no, I actually, <laughs> yeah, high school was, 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 yeah, it was nice. It wasn't. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to Mont Saint Louis, so it's like uh, Henri, uh, Henri Brassa and uh, Papineau, and uh-huh. it's kind of like. Uh, preppy sort of a private school thing but i i don't know the 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 the, the friends that i made there I, i'm still friends with so it's like that was awesome that's dope and uh, the fifth question is fourth uh, question. question yeah from uh, from tyler and kayla uh they they're they collaborating on a podcast right now called 11 11 make a wish uh and they want to know what would you wish for uh, and you're not allowed to wish for like money, success, world peace, or more wishes. Like you're not allowed the classics, <laughs> uh, or more wishes. More wishes. That was yeah. uh, the genie. So what is my wish? And I'm yeah. not allowed to to wish for world peace. Damn. No, no uh, world peace, no money, no success. Okay. What the fuck? What? Why? Why have wishes then at that point? Because well, they're obvious. They're easy. Everybody has those wishes. You want like. That that's okay. the point of their the point of their thing is to get you off the beaten path on the wish. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make it super cheesy, but that that's an actual wish. Um, and it's not it's not just a wish. It's a I mean, dude, it's funny because like it's a comedian's podcast, and I'm taking it like super super serious. I don't know. If, um, so I, I have a handicapped sister, 
and she's really passionate with kids and she worked in kindergartens before and the pandemic and whatever the, the you know she was under government subsidy and stuff like that and be, because of the pandemic and because of all kinds of things she lost her job so one of my life goals is to uh have like you know kind of buy a kin or have a kindergarten have her you know work there and be happy and that that is that is my if i had a genie i would ask and i wasn't allowed to ask for just infinite money i would just say build me a kindergarten and have my sister work there and be happy that's amazing that's beautiful they also they had a follow-up question i didn't send you chris they said what would you uh to two people you don't know what what would be a good choice for complementary tattoos they were because we ended up getting talking about tattoos like you know like some people have like one starts and it finishes or or they're matching or whatever do you have a vision of a cool complementary so tattoo two people that don't know each other no they do know each other they're they're oh, friends but you're like but it's your concept your concept is what's a what's a good complementary tattoo set well actually walter and i are getting uh, matching tattoos and uh, they're both on it's going to be on our on our clear biceps, the ones that everyone know, really could tell from a mile away. And it's going to be fuck them. That's why. <laughs> that's a good match. That's a good it's match. It's going to be in uh, Gaelic writing too. <laughs> uh, damn, I don't know. I mean, what kind of weird question is that? <laughs> Kayla's uh, a weird girl, man. <laughs> no, no, that. But that's a, it's like an awesome question, but also really hard to. Uh, Okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's say... I, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe... Damn, I don't know. Okay, okay. I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay. Um, what I would do, maybe, is... So you're a tattoo artist, and this is in your, like, flashbook, and you're like, here's my... Here's my set that I could sell you. Okay, I saw I saw something that I thought was really interesting, and this could be, I see it's a bit meta, but I, I like it. So it could be, uh, and let's say those two people really kind of love each other, and like even friendship, love, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw a guy uh, have his kid laugh. He recorded it, and he had the tattoo. Of the wave, like the the wave, like the waveform. Yeah, yeah. He he had that tattooed. That's so, really so 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 I don't know. Maybe they could, maybe they have like a like a keyword or like a like a like a thing like a like an inside joke, and then maybe they could do that like in a wave file. And so so it, it's not, it's it's discreet enough so that you don't have like some some kind of weirdo thing. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. that that could be cool. It could be even, like I said, if you did it as a couple, like friends or whatever, you, you could do it there. But like you could do it as a couple as it would be like you saying I love you would be tattooed on her and her saying I love you would be tattooed on her because the waveform would be a little different. Well, yeah, it would just be this, like, exactly. later. <laughs> well, sorry there. But yeah, and no. Then, that's and cool. then your next girl's like, what is that? And it's like, oh, it's a thing with me and my brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But who knows? You're just like, oh, it's just a design I like. At least it's not as... It's less incriminating than getting her name straight up tattooed on you or whatever. That's a that's a that's a ballsy decision. Uh, <laughs> a, gutsy, a gutsy call takes a lot of gumption to have somebody else's name tattooed on your body. But wait, I mean, did she have a, a, a tattoo with a friend, or did does she did she do that? 
Oh, she wants to get one. Uh, like it's uh, her and one of the other co-hosts, Ines, are in the market for matching tattoos or complimentary tattoos. So there, it was an earnest question. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them this could happen. That that would be crazy. You know what? You, know, you want to know a crazy story about tattoos? Uh, there's this friend of mine who's really good at drawing people's faces. So he had his his uh, and he owns a bar, and so and uh, the he he was drawing. His manager's face, and you know they they were always kind of like, uh, you know, doing this thing where he was drawing his face and he was saying all kinds of dumb shit, and then he would leave that in the bar and people would see that, and then he's nuts, so he tattooed the guy's face on his his uh, his uh, his leg. So then the crazy part of the story is that the tattoo artist put that in his book. And then a skater came in the, the joint and he said, he's like going through the book and he's like, yo, what's that? What's that tattoo? He's like, oh, it's some guy just made a face of somebody's face on, on his leg. He's like, that's what I want. And so that skater guy went to the bar and he went to this random dude and he said, I have your face tattooed on myself. And so it's like uh, you 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 have to be careful. It's like that that's the craziest story I've ever heard in my life. Having someone having your face on someone and and that when we talked a little bit about like the weirdness of of celebrity bringing it back to the with, with Ariana Grande and stuff like there are people with Ariana Grande's face tattooed on them. You know like it's she's not, that big of a star or like I'm sure oh, she believe, she probably I'm, has a little bit but I'm like but you know but like Kenny Rogers, let's say. Do you know how many people have like Kenny Rogers or Willie Nelson tattooed on them? Like like those like old timey stuff. Dolly Parton probably is on a bunch of people. Like that's a level of celebrity that's insanity. When you're like people are like, I put this person who I've never met, but like I like their music or whatever, I put their face on me. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> that's like that's too much. Uh so Damn, to close it off, the turn the tables. Pierre-Luc, what question would you like us to ask our next guest without knowing who it's going to be? Okay, okay. Usually it's someone who has something to plug, uh, someone in the arts, usually comedians, musicians, authors. That's the uh, the normal vibe, so. Okay, um, I would say, okay, I'm a huge, like, restaurant fan, so I would say probably, hold on. Where? Hold on. Damn. Where? <laughs> like, where can you find the best X in Montreal? And I don't want to make it poutine because that's like kind of cliche. So, like, what is there? Like, I don't you, know. Well, you were looking for the ice cream. Yeah, we were looking for the ice cream. Question. Yes. There you go. So, where is the best ice cream spot in Montreal? I would love to know that. Bro, so, there's a uh, maxi. There's a uh, maxi on Papino, bro. There's so a, I will, walk in. You ask them for the house special. Twenty dollars. You take a bag. You go home. Best so I, 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 I gave a shout out a little bit earlier to Florence in the hood. I really like Florence's ice cream, and they make they do some really good stuff. It's gelato, first of all. But like the reason Florence takes the cake, sadly for me, is not necessarily from ice cream, but as a shop, because I love key lime pie, and my wife. Uh, made them make me a key lime pie donut but where it's like they made a pie and then they like smashed the pie and turned it into filling for a donut so like even the filling included the key lime stuff but also like bits of the graham mm -hmm. uh like from the from the pie and i was like 
this is the craziest donut in my life. So it's like that shop like wins, even though it was not for ice cream. So for me, it would it's be, a, I'd be it's like a violation. This is a violation of the rules. The yeah. man, the pure look at. So, so go for there. For your best ice cream. But they do that also with their gelato. Like they, they, they take some of the, they do those concepts in their gelato. So like, I would trust those people to at least deliver you a really good ice cream. But there's like San San Gennaro on. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's on Cesatic, San Gennaro, whatever. They're they're an Italian spot. They have pizza, they have gelato, and they have a basil gelato. Oh. And it's fucking dope. Like that's that's probably. But like, it's not ice cream. It's gelato. It's a bit different. But anyways. If you want to get anyway, that's but that that's my my reference. Next time you're in town, Pierre Luc, uh, if you check out Florence in uh, Point Saint Charles, that's a it's a it's a I'm great. Check shop. it out. Yeah, have a donut here, Luc. But you have to ask me about the ice cream, but have a donut. No, okay, the donuts. So you this is the thing. Right? They do the donuts in the winter too, so, they, so that they, they have. They could go name it. After, they could name the key lime donut after you, or they they the ice cream. I'm gonna make that happen. <laughs> I know the owners. <laughs> who, who was it? We know. You know, what we gotta do. We gotta talk. We gotta talk to Lisa and get a Pierre Luc burger at the uh, what's the burger spot? The Belle La Boeuf. They do this the, the celebrity burger every month. Belle oh. La Boeuf, or is it? Or is it not Notre Dame de Boeuf? Notre Dame de Boeuf. One of the burger spots does a celebrity of the month, and we should get Pierre Luc on that one next. <laughs> yes. If only, if, only, if only to give him a fucking reason to come home. Jesus Christ, guys. We just keep <laughs> pushing our stars out. And I'll tell you what, also, we're just, just in closing, I'm going to, this is my hope. My wish is, uh, Pierre Luc, that you're playing Oceaga in 2022. So we'll see you and hang out in 2022 at Oceaga. And the campaign, and the campaign starts now for that, by the way, Pierre Luc. We're, we're starting that today. We're going to call Farkas. Let's, okay. let's put it in the universe. And you know? Down. I'm so down. Child, child at Ocean. They don't even have to headline right away. If you don't want us to headline the first year, fine. We're gonna get Child at, at Oceaga. That's it. Oceaga is coming back to Montreal 2022. Child's gonna be there. Um, that's what I'm calling it. Right now. Child's gonna be there one way or another. But goddamn it, so help me God, they better be performing. They're gonna be playing. Uh, thanks so much. Obviously, uh, it's Child Three Eyes. Look it up on Spotify or whatever streaming service you use. Uh, you heard Gone earlier in the show. And you have uh, a release coming out soon, I hear? Yes. So second EP uh, is in the pipeline? Yeah, exactly. That's going to come out in July. And um, Governor's Ball in... Uh, oh, there's also Vivo. You can check Vivo Discovered. Um, we're going to have a performance there come out on May 17th. Oh, nice. so that's like right in... Yeah. Three a couple days from now. The Sunday? 14th? Yeah. The Monday. Monday. The Monday. Yeah. Monday. On so Vivo. Which future, which future day is that again? The 17th? It's Monday. Yeah. Future. Monday. Okay, <laughs> Monday from Thursday, but it's Monday now. So it's like a week from now. It's such a fucking math. Crazy. The <laughs> and, 17th, and baby. You just gave gave away the, the whole thing now. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's really my brand here to make Keith's life a living nightmare. Uh, Chris, Chris, is there anything you want to plug before we shut it down? You have anything uh, coming up? I mean, tons, but I'd just like to say thank you, Pierre Luc, for joining us. Congratulations <laughs> on all your success, boss. I love watching Montrealers make it in whatever field they choose to go pursue. So this is awesome. And you're you're paving the the way for more people, maybe one day like me, who could 
get out of this godforsaken city. But speaking no, of no, this beautiful make city, better. Speaking of this beautiful city, we're coming at you. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, we're allowed out again. So maybe we'll be coming back to a comedy club near you. If not, we got uh, Film is Dead, which is a movie podcast web series that we're releasing some point in May, day to BD. Uh, you know, we have the Bodog videos, Keith. You know, things are popping. You know, things are bobbing and weaving down here in this basement. Perfect. Thanks a lot, What Taylor. else? Anything else? Uh, I don't know. Anything else, don't Keith? Know. What are you plugging? A I don't Habs know, man. playoff run? I mean, I think that I think the Habs just got a point, which means they actually clinched the playoffs. I feel, I feel, I think that just Happy happened. Happy days are here again. It's gonna be. I don't know, Pierre, like if you're a hockey fan or not, but it is going to be the most angry, like pit of my stomach, upset at the pandemic. If Montreal is in all likelihood playing Toronto for the first time since 1978 in the playoffs, and we have to stay home, like cavemen uh, <laughs> like we, yeah. we can't like it's insane to me i was like how is this happening like this it's the like we're at the home stretch and it's the worst anyway you know what could they could do though some somehow it's like play it outside and maybe like i don't know social distance some kind of like yeah, yeah exactly put it, put it for it put it up on some screens or whatever and maybe have pods that people can circles that people are allowed to stand in. i don't know but it, it's it's insane to me that there's going to be a Montreal-Toronto playoff series, and we're all going to be like watching it in our single homes and not being able to like, wow, be Montreal about this. It's insane. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Pierre. That was amazing. That was an awesome yeah. chat. That was uh, that was great. Thanks so much. Now let's go plug yourself. <laughs> no ad reads today, huh? <laughs> Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, Thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, If you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy Facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street. Uh, We really have to rely on word of mouth, which uh, basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show, Please uh, share it, link it, uh, tell your friends about it. Say, hey, there's this show called Go Plug Yourself. They talk to Montrealers or people that have stuff going on in Montreal or uh, just people that have stuff to uh, promote that we kind of care about. We can we can go outside of Montreal if we want to. Um, yeah, so just tell tell people about the show. It's a, it's a fun show. We, we like doing it a lot. We've done it for over 200 episodes, and it's in large part thanks to support from uh, people like you. Um, if you want to support the show at all you can go to uh, patreon.com slash nine to five cc and uh, throw a couple bucks our way it really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part we're really not trying to make a profit on this um, and also if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show you can uh, contact us either on facebook or on twitter there's a bunch of ways to find us uh, and uh, and let us know and if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out maybe you can be the next person who uh, comes on the show and uh, plugs something a uh, big thank you as always to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude who provided our theme songs and of course a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show uh, Walter J. Ling who is technically retired but still sometimes hosts uh, Christopher Vendito, Lawrence Corber and uh, Ines Anaya uh, all, are all amazing co-hosts and you should support them and their comedy and uh, and all of that. Uh, thank you for listening thank you for choosing Go Plug Yourself uh, as one of your from the millions of podcasts and have a beautiful day.
Thank you. 9to5.cc, podcasts, blogs, and comics, made in Montreal since 2011.